Hello, and a warm welcome to Real Relations with Dr. J.C. This is your host, it's me, I'm Dr. Janice C. Hodge, right here on WDJYFM 99.1. This is Straight Talk Radio. We're going to be talking through all kinds and all sides of relationships, uh, so grab some time in your schedule, get some space in your day. Guess what? We're going to lift you encourage, challenge, and inspire you. We're caring for you on the air. I am really glad, I am really proud to bring to you today my two special guests. Um, I will give their names and they will tell you more about who they are. We have Jasmine, we have Nancy. And so uh, each of you, uh, welcome to Real Relations with Dr. JC. Uh, Will you... uh, Step forward and introduce yourself to our audience. By the way, I want you to know these are very smart people who are listening to you. They're very smart and very engaged in their lives, and they're really thinking people. So you have a great opportunity, too, uh, Nancy and Jasmine, to be heard by this wonderful audience. So go ahead. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, I am Jasmine Minster-Lust, and I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor here in the Chicagoland area, um, where I practice out of Bloomingdale and Oak Brook, so I'm the Health Church of Chicago there, um, working with individuals, couples, and families who feel really stuck and are looking forward to move past any um, past pain. And Nancy? Uh, I am Nancy Nettles, and I am in the Middle Tennessee area, primarily Nashville. And I am a master's level therapist working on licensure, and I work with individuals and families with sexual trauma, domestic violence, and um, uh, specifically uh, working with uh, individuals also with substance issues. Wonderful. Excellent. Now, with your expertise, both of you, um, you are, are great candidates and, and great participants for this discussion that we want to have. We want to hear everything you're thinking so we can, of course, stimulate uh, our thinking and move in the world around us in ways that are purposeful. So listen, uh, we, we're looking at all these changes that are going on in the U.S. right now um, regarding women generally. And so we understand uh that many people are involved with this Me Too movement. Uh, the question is, what about black women and girls? And so I am bringing that to you, Nancy and Jasmine. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, when you think about black women and girls in 2019, along with what's happening with the Me Too movement, what do you say is is our state of well-being, health, our challenge? What do you What do you understand? Either one, you just jump in there. Well, I think I think um, when it pertains to the Me Too movement, um, there's 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 a disconnect. I I believe with uh, Black women in America. Um, the uh, I, I think that um, I think it, it it's brought some some things to the forefront for overall for America. However, um, I believe that the the narrative for the black woman with regard to the Me Too movement um, 
hasn't shifted as much as I think I would have liked it to um, based on the Me Too movement, um, bringing up, um, bringing out the, the, the whole idea of sexual trauma. And so I think that, um, I think it, it, it's opened the door, but I don't know if it has really impacted black women in America. I think that the narrative hasn't really shifted. Um, I think that more, more or less than, more often than not, at least in my experiences that I've had um, here in the last year, um, it's still uh, something we don't necessarily um, talk about or even consider going to therapy of any kind because we're we're believing that narrative that you know we have to be a strong black woman or we have the narrative of that um, you know what happens in it, what happened to me was a long time ago is something that I'm going to keep it a secret or um, or I don't want to be re-victimized because, you know, I'm getting asked questions like, well, what were you wearing and, and, and so forth and so on. And that's just, just some of my experiences. Okay. Yeah, and I would say it's a lot of the same um, that I'm doing on my end as well, where while I'm not seeing a lot of strong strides um, as far as how society might look at it and view the black woman, I feel like it's creating very little ripples um, for the individual. It's kind of starting mm-hmm. to shake it up, at least internally, that maybe this isn't okay. So they're starting to question it, even if not out loud. And I think that's um, the important piece is kind of creating that, that inner awareness of their own experience so kind of they can start to narrate them, their story to themselves. Because um, there is this whole strong black woman perspective, and I feel like the door being open to this, um, started to create a little bit of disillusionment that maybe this is what a strong black woman looks like. Um, maybe she can start to look like other things and, and kind mm-hmm. of include her her emotions and um, be more self-aware and self-affirming. Mm-hmm. It's still just a struggle in finding that voice and how do I self-affirm without feeling like a victim. So that's where I'm seeing a lot of the similar stuff that Nancy touched on. Yeah. Well, yeah, Nancy and Jasmine both raised uh, something that I am curious about the use of the description strong black woman which of course you know mm-hmm. we're familiar with it but yeah. i hear i hear ooh and what does that mean so so are people kind of saying you know because i'm quote known as a strong black woman therefore i, I don't need to attend to my are you saying attend to my particular concerns in life well i not yeah. experienced that that, that's exactly uh, what I hear on a regular basis. I would say probably at least once a day, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, that's pretty scary <laughs> because, you know, um, what does that mean? You know, what is that narrative? And in 2019, um, how does that, well, where do I sit as, as a black woman in America? What, what does that look like for me if I'm, if I, I, I have paid attention to this Me Too movement and um, and, and realized that I have some some, some stuff that, that I've been carrying for quite a while and have decided, you know, okay, well, maybe this is a good time for me to, to, to actually work on that. And then, but then at the same time, hear this narrative uh, in my community that, well, you're a strong black woman and, you know, 
you'll you'll be fine. You'll 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 get over this. You'll be you're good to go, or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know. That that is something I hear probably almost every day mm-hmm. with any of my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of creates that um the ruler that they're using as far as their goals. Like from what I see on my end, when they're kind of creating these goals for overall well being, the ruler mm-hmm. of the strong black woman is used, where it's like this is what's expected of me. Um, mm-hmm. So when the Me Too movement started to have this wave, honestly, there were a few of the clients who, when we reviewed their history of trauma, dismissed these things that happened. And then when the Me Too movement started to pick up more um, strength, it actually came out in the therapy room. So even in the place where there, it's, it's welcome to be vulnerable, they still dismissed it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, well, it's, it's, well it's, you know, what, there's a big word in there for our audience. Share what you you two as professionals. When you say trauma, what do, what do you mean? I look at trauma as you know, it's not events that we can just say like this, this, and this, like kind of excluding things. It's really the personal experience. If that was something that created hypersensitivity, where I'm I'm kind of on guard now in my environment. If it's created um, kind of a lack of, of, of trust in how I n- navigate the world, really anything that's kind of altered how I perceive my interactions with myself and others in a way that makes me feel unsafe um, is kind of how, how I look when I talk about trauma with my clients. I, I, I concur. Yeah. I, 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 that is exactly. And I think that uh, a lot of times when um, folks come into my office, they – their understanding of what trauma actually looks like versus my understanding um, is different. And so I, I do, I try to help them that understand what trauma means, not necessarily that you can, you know, kind of check off a list of things that happen. So I, I definitely agree with Jasmine. Recently someone, and, and she is um, a high, highly positioned woman in in the business world, um, but she was robbed at gunpoint, and she came in, and of course she was confused um, from that experience, and and she was turned around, didn't know what to do regarding her self care, um, and of course there was fear, but she was still working, and she, and she said she was kind of like an auto. Now she's reflecting, she was kind of on autopilot, um, which I think is a trauma reaction. What do you think? Being on autopilot after a trauma has happened. Yeah, I agree that that's kind of the survival response because there are these pieces where um, we kind of recognize that time keeps on going, even though it feels like it might have, we might be frozen in the moment of when that um, trauma incident had occurred and autopilot is um, some individual's way of kind of coping with time still moving on and not really, um, some not giving themselves permission to acknowledge what had happened. Or even not being emotionally available to to grab that information from themselves to say, okay, let me process it now that this these next moment in time keep going on, um, just to shut down and do what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, so I want our listeners to know that that too, uh, if in fact they recognize it in themselves, that is one outcome of uh, trauma as one experiences it. But there's more I think we can say, too. I think uh, to get into the meaning of of strong black woman in America, you know, that that has a historical meaning. And I don't know how much people are really still aware of that, And but I do know we need to be aware of it. <laughs> um, so, and I want you both to join in with me. So 
strong black woman is a term that began as a result of uh, women in our history, such as Ida B. Wells, who mm-hmm. took on the lynching campaign, and after her friends were lynched for opening a business, um, she to, took it to the UN, and she was successful over the years in bringing attention to lynching. There's Mary McLeod Bethune. I hope we we remember her, and Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. of course, and Sojourner Truth, and the, and those women who fought and stood and delivered us from oppression. Um, those black women whose names we don't know, who protected their families from lynch mob, uh, or whatever other kind of uh, devastation was afforded through our history in this country. So that's where strong black women comes from. Now, what people are saying now, that's a different thing. And I think they need to, I, I want to see, I want to encourage that balance. So mm-hmm. today, thank goodness, the hard work of all those who came before us allows us now to not have to go through autopilot. And we can go and, and, and uh, learn more about doing personal counseling. You, what, do you, what do you two think? I think you're right. I think that I hear, I, I also, because I'm also around uh, academia, um, and I'm definitely a history buff, and I think that um, oftentimes I have heard individuals say, well, you know, our ancestor did this, that, or the other, and um, I would never, you know, in, in my wildest dreams, ever think that that was less than. Um, however, I also understand that, um, one, the world is very different now, and two, um, managing what what a, a black woman has to manage in this day and age is very different. Um, let's look at some of the differences. Um, you know, uh, even with my grandmother, you know, she had a village. She had a she had people who were there for her. So if she was having a, a tough time, perhaps after she had a baby. She had her village to, to mm-hmm. kind of help out because they they had a farm and so help with the other children um, to make sure that that you know they didn't miss you know uh, you know making sure that the, the that they still have food on the table um, and so I think that that sense of community um, is not nearly as prevalent as perhaps it was um, in previous in previous uh, history and so I think that has impacted. Um, when when I think about a strong black woman, um, and I also think that uh, understanding that we are still a human being, and I think I, I probably say this more often than not to so many black women on a regular basis that we are still very human. And um, when you look at the world today versus the world even 50 years ago, it's very, very different. And uh, we are a lot more isolated, um, you know, We, especially depending on where you are located as far as this country is concerned. So in the more urban area, you may have a, 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 a healthier group of people who, who are you're, you're, you're together versus when you are in a more rural area or if you're, you know, it just really depends. But I think that that ideology of community has shifted over the years, and so, um, yeah. That, that, I think and, that and, makes, and if I may, it surely has shifted with technology. It has oh, really, yeah, and, and not for the better at all. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. We're, we're, at, we're at the point of taking a break. Um, we are audience. We are talking to these really bright women. Uh, we have uh, Nancy Nettles, 
And Jasmine, please say your last name again for me. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> yes, it's uh, Mincer-Lust, L-U-S-T. There we have it, Mincer-Lust. Okay, so we're going to come right back after a, a brief break. Stay with us, everybody. This is going to be a really important program for you. All right, we are speaking from Real Relations with Dr. J.C. on WDJY, and we'll be right back. And we're back. We're on. We are. We are on Real Relations with Dr. JC on WDJY, and this is Janice C. Hodge. You can contact me at grow at jchodge.com. I am glad to bring back to us our informed guests who are experienced in their profession as mental health professionals, and they are experienced and they are aware of their. Uh, days and times as black women. So I don't know where we'll hear this kind of conversation as we're hearing it right now, but this is really uh, sensitive. It is delicate. It is needed. It is important. Very significant. So we're going to continue what we're speaking about in terms of black women and our state of well-being in 2019 in the face of Me Too. Um, And so uh, both of you... um, Ladies have said it is black women may be on the periphery of of what this Me Too movement um, is doing right now. Uh, let's let's say more about that. Yeah, uh, right before the break, I think Nancy had hit on a really good point of the sense of uh, community and it being a village and kind of how that translated into um, the ideology of a strong black woman. It's so much shame that I'm hearing from my clients now for them to even admit that they accept help. Um, when it comes to them managing their households and uh, just trying to balance everything, career and whatever um, personal goals they might have for themselves, it's so much shame associated with being a part of a community. And I think that speaks volumes with how the Me Too movement um, you might, might hit the same wall with just the shame that comes with this experience happening. Because if you're a strong black woman, then this shouldn't have happened to you, Right. So that's they kind of feel like they're going to be hit with those same questions um, that they'll get hit with even just how they manage their lives. So I feel like being able to address that shame and that that disappointment, that perceived disappointment in themselves, um, is a big piece of that. And being able to trust and lean into the community um, for that help would, would help move mountains with it. Well, Jasmine, what I just heard there though is is that somehow people are linking, women are linking, being strong with being perfect. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and being absolutely. Like bringing the shame. Oh, yeah, what? definitely. Right, right. This measure that they're using, this ruler, apparently is um, 
it's perfect. It can it can perform well in all functions and facets mm-hmm. of life, which honestly is is a fallacy because we're all constantly improving. We're all constantly exactly. working towards something. So there's no way we're going to be perfect in anything. No and yet human being, no. no. So yeah. it, it, people have to release that pressure from themselves. There, there is no human perfection, none. Uh, Nancy, what do you say? I heard you speaking. Oh, yeah. I just, I just agreed with Jasmine. That is very true. I think that we do have this, this sense that we have to be perfect. And, um, you know, I, I, this, this breaking, you know, this, just kind of helping someone to understand that they don't have to be perfect um, is, is in and of itself sometimes just uh, a difficult task because in their minds that's, that's what they have to be in order to uh, be the strong black woman, to uh, pursue whatever it is they're pursuing, uh, whatever career goals or goals in overall, you know, family, what have you. Um, I, I agree definitely um, that that perfectionism, that being perfect, um, you know, from the inside out. Um, and I think, you know, when they have experienced um, traumas, I think what happens is that somehow that is not, that either that is not important, um, and so therefore it needs to be, you know, it happened, when it happened, it happened, it's over, it's done, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. just going to move it out, whatever, and 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 move on, and quite, quite frankly, what happens is that they don't really move on, <laughs> they kind of get stuck and so then they they ruminate over okay well why can't I do this and why am I not being able to do that and it just it just becomes a, a very unhealthy cycle. I've also had um the experience with uh at least a, a few women who have had bad things happen but they didn't identify it as such and so in which case they they didn't recognize that as a rape um for example and therefore, they didn't recognize it as a trauma. They definitely didn't know it as a trauma because they didn't know even that they had been raped. Um, so I think there's so many different facets of what it means to live as a black woman. Um, and so I think one question I tend to always have, I think that comes from my time in education. I, I don't assume that people know uh, that we just start where they are um, and find out what we find out as we go. I, I, I just think that people don't name that they've been traumatized necessarily. I think those with certain levels of education may know it, um, and even they may they may miss it. So, um, But it's important that we're talking about it now so we can lift up uh, people's awareness. Now, now, what should our listeners do if they think they may have been traumatized or harmed, or, you know, where they felt their life was threatened or they saw something where someone else's life was threatened, um, what should they do? And how look at how much trauma we have in our society now. Come as I think about, it. now I'm still talking. All this trauma, all the, the police shootings, and uh, you know mm-hmm. the different horrors that we see in fires, and all these kinds of things that are happening. And the rest that black women may say they're going through as they carry on every day, everybody's responsibilities and theirs. What are they do now? What? Now that we know it's a, this could be trauma, it's bad for us, what should we do now? Yeah, from that um, that individual place, I think, well, of course, depending on the 
traumatic situation that might have happened is, is assessing safety. Um, if it's a situation where you really need to be able to not look at everyone else and what they might expect or what they might need, but really turn into yourself and saying, what is it that I need in this moment? Do I need to contact um, some level of authority to ensure my sense of safety? Do I need to turn to someone who I do feel enough connection or trust? Because trust can already be, you know, a, a difficult thing to assess um, after being traumatized. But what do I need to do to one, make sure that I'm safe? But to even get there, it still comes from this place of self-compassion, um, which as we talked about this perfectionism and I talk about what the expectations are, I feel like when these things happen and that internal experience is negative, uh, the individual might view it as a failure, right? So they're not open to even talking about it to someone. So before even, you know, and in, in including the sense of safety and what do I need to do, I feel like at the core of it, um, the individual should need to come from this place of I, it's okay for me to take care of myself because this is what I would do for everyone else. And then mm-hmm. what is that thing that I need well, so, to so do? You, Jasmine, do you say it's okay to take care of ourselves? It is, and it's unfortunate that it's not it's not um, screamed <laughs> and echoed in a lot of different messages that we receive throughout the world. We're constantly learning how to be compassionate to others, how to put others first, because we're the natural, you know, caretakers, you know, um, the black girls and, and, and women, we, we just are kind of trained that way when we take care mm-hmm. of everyone else around me. But let me turn to myself because that's okay. And that's not, it's just not communicated as strongly. Um, and to get to any place to respond to trauma, I feel like we have to kind of give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves. But you're clearly saying we have permission to to stop in. And then both of you, what does it mean to take care of ourselves? What does that look like? I say, well, I went over to talk about it. Um, It's the self-compassion. So I put this word out here, right, as if everyone knows what it means. Um, So I love that you want us to break this down. It is seeing at the basic level what it is that you need to do. Self-compassion and and taking care of herself could be, do I need to take a nap? Do I need to not lend this money to someone because I actually need it for a bill? Uh, Uh Do I need to think about my problem Uh for at least 10% of the day because I have to think about everybody else's problems for 100%? Uh Can I make room for myself in my life? Um, and the the easiest way that I start to get people thinking about that and working with them is what would you do for them? If this was their problem, what would you mm-hmm. be your first step? And they can go boom, 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 this is what I would do. But now that it's your problem, it's puzzling, right? Like what is that step? I don't know. Uh, so flipping the script, you know, to think about yourself. Yeah, so, I, I do that a lot too. <laughs> say, say that a little bit uh, louder, Nancy. No, I just said I, I do that quite a bit myself. I flip the script because I think that, that you, that's really where we have to start um, as far as um, taking care of self. Um, I'm, I'm a big component of self-care and self-wellness. And But, um, but what does that mean, though? I mean, I, those are words that we so, use. And, and like shop talk. I, so, we, so we talk about that. So, you know, I'll say, okay, so if you're, you're – whoever is that you're taking care of is going through these similar experiences, what would you do? And they literally can run off, uh, well, I would probably suggest maybe they should lay down and take a nap or I should, uh, maybe they should go and take a long shower or perhaps, in a, and they will have a list of things for the other person to do. 
But like Jasmine said, so then I will say, okay, so now we're going to turn that list on to you. We're gonna we're gonna look at this from your perspective, and um, it's it's really interesting how you know it's kind of a oh okay um, because I think um, we say self care, but what does that really look like? And there there's no I don't know if there's a a template for everyone because we're all different, and so what may speak to me as far as, you know, my wellness and, and my self-care is not necessarily going to speak to you. And so um, I will often, um, you know, talk about, okay, uh, I have a mother, you know, and your child came home and said X, Y, Z, and this is what's happening and this is what happened. What would you do? And then I would turn that around. So I, I just was saying I, I definitely agree now because we don't, we don't know how to take care of ourselves, and so I'm all about um, really helping women, specifically black women, um, take care of themselves because I've had to do that myself. Which is really good because uh, we're going to ask you for more of that, Nancy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we're going to come to another break. <laughs> so, so when we come back, both Nancy and Jasmine, can just, just talk to us all like we are five years old. And taking care of women, women taking care of women, yeah, this is good for women to hear, but I think it's good for the men to hear, too. Men taking mm-hmm. care of themselves, men taking mm-hmm. care of men, men taking care of women. So this is going to be really good for all of us. So we're coming down to our uh, break, and when we come back, our guests will open up our eyes and our ears and tell us some specifics about what to do and how to find more ways to care for ourselves. This is Real Relations with Dr. J.C. I am Dr. Janice C. Hodge, and you can reach me at grow at jchodge.com and just send me an email anytime. We will be right back with our guest. And we are back. This is Real Relations with Dr. J.C. And we are talking about the state of black women and girls and health and well-being in 2019 in the face of the Me Too movement. We have excellent guests, wise women, and they're going to bring the best of their um, work and life to us. And they're going to give us some great tips now as we close out for this afternoon. Um, How do we take care of ourselves. How do we find out ways to take care of ourselves? So go ahead. Nancy, you can lead, or, or Jasmine, you can lead. No problem. Uh, what, how do we even begin to find that out? So I think I, I, I um, typically, uh, one of the first things I think um, might be a tip that, hmm, is we're not sleeping well or um, we never seem to get enough sleep. Um, and so really, uh, 
checking, are we, are we, are we in a good sleep routine? Um, and what does that look like? Um, uh, and, you know, uh, some folks um, have shared that, you know, uh, getting sleep is, is not top on the high on their list, yet they find themselves feeling um, exhausted middle of the day when they're at work. So um, really looking at that, um, because I think Americans overall um, don't sleep enough um, and don't get good sleep. So they may close their eyes, but that, that REM sleep is so important for overall health and well-being. Um, so that's a big one for me. Um, also, um, a healthy diet. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's easier sometimes for us to grab something on the way here, there, trying to take care of everyone else. And then we, we find ourselves, you know, doing bad diets. And, you know, uh, I, I, I cringe when someone tells me, oh, I'm taking, I'm going on this diet, you know. And, you know, my first thought is, why are you going on this diet and what, what is the purpose? And, you know, if you're feeling like you, you've got to go on this diet to be successful because you've gained weight, then take a step back and say, okay, why have you been gaining weight? How have you been eating? You know, is it a stress-related, you know, um, so that's, those are probably two of my biggies for a lot of folks that I've worked with um, as far as self-care, um, mm -hmm. beginning that, that, that walk, that journey of self-care. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Nancy, this is, um, I hear somebody saying, yeah, I, I hear you talking, but I, 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 and I know these things, but I, I can't even find time to think about how to get ready to do it. What do I do? Yeah. So, I, I think um, if you're, you're feeling, I think when you get in that moment, um, I know this is going to sound very cliche and maybe a little old-fashioned, um, but um, taking a moment, if, you're, you're, if, you're, if you find that you cannot even focus or reflect on how much you're sleeping or how much, what you're eating or what you're not eating, um, I, I would I would I would encourage you, you to perhaps start maybe journaling. Um, you know, looking at okay, just keeping up with, you know, we have phones, we have we, we all most of us have cell phones and you know, it's, you don't even have to write, you can just, you know, talk and there's a million apps mm -hmm. where you can just kinda keep just just keep a running tab of what's what what are you eating and how much are you sleeping? on a regular basis, just for a few days, um, and, you know, for a week, and, and just kind of reflect on that um, to see where you are with regards to self-care. Um, and I think that often, that, that's a telltale sign right there. Um, if you look back at this, this, little, this little journal, you, using your technology and finally realizing, oh, I ate that? Oh, man, did I really eat all that? And, you know, and it, it takes little no time to do it. Um, how do we, I mean. So you can, we can use our, our smartphones smartly because there are apps that can be employed and you can use that oh voice gosh, recorder. Yeah. So, yeah, use your, use your smartphone on your behalf. Take, exactly. take a couple of minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's a great thing to, to be aware of. Yeah. And, and most uh, of these apps uh, are free. <laughs> Say it again. 
most of these apps are free, so I know we're uh, yeah, many of them are free. So that's that's important because you know we're not going to want to spend more money. Yeah, we don't want to spend money, and we don't have no, 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 no. But you know what else? Don't forget YouTube. YouTube is a great place to go for care and just put in taking care of myself and see what comes up. Uh, women taking care of themselves or men doing what's good for men. Just go put it in YouTube and see what comes up. Uh, oh lots yeah, of ideas there. Definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, well, well, this is really good. Now, the thing is, Me Too also is going in a particular direction. And, you know, historically, um, with the feminist movement, black women kind of kept a strong line of demarcation, uh, necessarily so, saying, well, you know, this issue of, of going to work is not our issue because we, we're going to work. we we got to work. Uh, so that, that I'm talking back in the day. Uh, so that's not our issue. Uh, so, yeah, we need to get paid equally to men, and we're, we're with that. But there, but there was a strong line demarcation. Right now it seems that uh, that line, maybe black women and girls, are they, are they as aware of that? What does it mean to talk about empowering black girls? Do, do black women and girls being empowered and doing everything already, do they need more empowerment? And, and this is going to be that which closes us out today. What do you think, though, you two? Do black women and girls need more empowerment, considering how much they're already doing? Yeah, I think it's um, more self-empowerment, um, kind of getting to that place where they can validate themselves and recognize what they are doing. It's one thing to, to hear it from someone else, but it's another thing to actually believe it and to be um, self-affirming with that. So I think there's a need for an increase in that, that positive self-talk. Uh, which kind of still goes back to self-care, right, where it's kind mm-hmm. of being aware of uh, what messages and everything you're telling yourself. Because I hear a lot from my clients that they'll, um, you know, they'll put out there to maybe someone they trust, like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing enough, you know, um, as a mom or, you know, as, as just showing up, even the girls as a student. Um, and someone will sit there and list to them all of their positive traits and qualities, and they don't believe not one of them. So maybe not as much of, us trying to affirm it to someone else, but listening to them. When they say that they don't, that means they're in a good place to kind of explore that and see if you can push the um, the questions back to them. Well, why don't you? You know, so they can start to challenge that talk to themselves if we're looking to support another one. Um, now, for that individual work on ourselves, honestly starting to listen, what are you telling yourself each day? Um, and try to say something a little bit different to yourself so that you can be taking care of yourself in that way, like journaling was well, a good flesh, way. Now, flesh that out. Flesh that out. Talk to yourself in a different way. Like, say what? What What do you mean here? So there are so many messages because our brains are beautiful things where they have evolved and, and we know how to survive um, just without even thinking. So just intuitively we're telling ourselves, oh, you did wrong. Oh, you messed up. Why did you do that? We might not even notice it, right? So I feel like hearing what we're telling ourselves and then trying to <clears throat> flip it to something different. It's like, oh, no, that wasn't, you know, that was actually the thing that you did there. Um, you know, that wasn't as horrible as you're making it to seem. Because um, a lot of times we jump to conclusions about what we're thinking. We kind of look at things as all or nothing, like either you do good or you do bad. <laughs> you know, we're very critical in that way. Um, so being able to say those messages, like, no, just because I didn't do it perfectly doesn't mean I did it wrong. Um 
and, and challenging it is, is maybe as straightforward as that. Like that's a good sentence to say to ourselves because that one strong sentence can counter probably 10 different thoughts that we had about ourselves, you know, within a matter of seconds. Say that one sentence again so we can definitely hear it. That one sentence. Just because I didn't, yeah, just because I didn't do it perfectly doesn't mean I did it bad. Just because I was not perfect doesn't mean Does it's not bad. Yes. And I think we want to continue, the three of us want to continue to, to keep people aware. There will be no perfection from any human being. Mm-hmm. None. <laughs> Let it go. You will not be perfect. Um, <laughs> so, unless, of course, we're trying for the job of God. I, maybe that's what's going on out here. But, no, no human being will ever be perfect. So, take that pressure off of yourself. But we can do the best we can. Do you agree? Yes. We can do the best that we can, and it really does start just in investing, being invested in our own healing process. We can do the best we can just to heal. And there's no shame in admitting that there is a need to heal. Someone mentioned in her process after, this keeps coming up, after uh, a sexual violation, after being raped, um, went for mental health intervention, and went to someone who believes in immersion. That is, if whatever you're afraid of, we need to give you more of that fear so that you can get better. Um, and and so she is like, the counselee is not happy with that. But she's staying in there. But she's like, why do I have to be hurt to feel better? Um, so give us some tips about going for counseling. I think we need to hear that before we close out today. So should she stay with that person who's making her feel uh, worse than she was even when she came in, uh, just because you know I'm, I'm here and this is the counselor, therefore I'm staying. W- give us some tips about that, and we need it. Yeah, I think it's healthy in a counseling relationship to, um, for one, it, it is on the the counselor usually to let them know the process that happens. Um, that a lot of the times you might walk out of the room not feeling better because you are starting to challenge a lot of things that are in your life. Um, And of course, without knowing all the nuances of what's happening in that room between that client, I would just kind of ask them, you know, to question, do they feel comfortable bringing up their discomfort to their counselor so that they can be on the same page with where they're going? Um, And I let my clients know that all the time. Sometimes we're going to push on, it's just like a doctor, right? They're going to push on a pain point just to see if this is the right, if this is the place that the pain exists. So it's not going to always feel good and comfortable and fun and fluffy. It's going to hurt, and we're going to change some stuff. <laughs> so it's going to be a little bit of a painful process. But as long as you feel like this is a comfortable environment, to let me know if I'm pushing too hard, you know, to mm-hmm. let me know uh, if you have any questions so that you feel safe to go down this road with me. Um, I feel like a lot of clients, even when they go on to see, you know, a regular doctor, um, they get little time with them, but if they feel that their doctor actually hears them and understands them, then they'll follow, you know, their lead and go through these painful procedures. Very same thing with counseling. So don't question as much um, if you're doing something right or wrong. Kind of question the relationship and see if you feel comfortable bringing that up in the room with your counselor. Okay, Nancy? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that that is exactly um, how the, that, that that is an excellent um, um, analogy because I think that that's exactly, I think when 
people come to counseling, I think they initially think that somehow after that first or second uh, session that everything is going to be all great and hunky-dory. And so um, I, in that first intake, I, you know, I talk about the counseling process and um, I I try to uh, help my clients um, understand that this space is, is a space where they can allow themselves to be vulnerable. However, and we, we will be touching on things that may be uncomfortable. However, um, you get that. You have the, the control, and if, if, if it gets to be too much or um, if we need to, you know, um, back up a little bit, that's okay. Um, you know, giving them, letting them know that they have the permission to do that. This space is not, you know, um, mm-hmm not a space where they feel like they if they don't if they you know if they if they don't share or if they they share they might share too much um that somehow it it you know it it will do them a dis, disservice or an injustice so um explaining the counseling process and and what that looks like um is very valuable when uh, a person comes to comes to counseling yeah, I, I, and I am underscoring what you're saying. So in the work of doing counseling, there may be a point where something that is spoken about process considered does feel painful. It does hurt. and But it's important to know that you as a counselee uh, can say, yeah, I, I, I probably want to stop here so I can think about this more or I, I just feel too badly right now. Whatever it is that one may be thinking or feeling, you definitely need to be able to say that. And mm-hmm. the woman that I'm speaking about, if if you're already feeling hurt and the thing they're making you do more of is hurting you worse, then, you know, you've you got to say something about that. And maybe you've got to back up. Right. And you have the power to do it. Now, yes. before I, I got to get my little spiel, i got to say this. we got to remember as black people, though, Doing mental health counseling is just not part of our. It's not part of our culture. It's not what we have come with uh, in our tradition. I know it's important, and we see it a lot on TV now, and and so it, you hear it everywhere. But the reality is, we didn't grow up with knowing how to do counseling, which requires a process. Uh, our families before us didn't do it. Um, we don't have very many people. We've got a few more now, who are professionals in the mental health field. And so, you know, you got to learn the process of doing counseling. You really are having to learn it. It's not just talking to a good friend. It's not, that's not what that is. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in no way do I ever want anybody to dismiss um, the value, though, of making use of their faith connection. Because even the scientists in psychiatry will tell you the best way to handle trauma is with faith resources and religious discipline. And so... That Bessel van der Kolk, he's the top guy now, right? So he's very clear about that. And so certainly that's our tradition. We don't want to toss that away um, for something that we're hearing about on television. Um, always honor who we are. That's part of our identity. It's part of who we are. It's our well-being. That's really me too for us. So we're coming to the end of our hour. Um, wonderful ladies, tell tell our audience how can they contact you if they want counseling. Do you do anything online? Um, what are you doing with that? How do they reach you? So because in in because I am um, a master's level therapist, I don't um, do any kind of therapy online as of yet because I'm not licensed yet. 
Um, however, um, I do um, I have gone and done groups and um, seminars on mental health and health and wellness. I've I've been a part of financial wellness and how that how the mental health impacts financial um, decisions and things like that. So, but my website is theoperadivaspeaks.com. And say that, that one more time. TheOperaDivaSpeaks.com. It's like you said, The Opera Beaver Speaks. The Opera Diva, D-I-V-A. Alpha Diva, A-L-P-H-A-D-I-V-A. Alpha Diva Speaks. speaks. Yes, got it. And that is off my my Gmail. So it's TheOperaDivaSpeaks at gmail.com. Wonderful. All right. and, and And physically, you're located in what state? In Tennessee. How about that? Okay. <laughs> and Jasmine? Yeah, so um, people can reach out to me and keep the conversation uh, going through Instagram, where I be reached at Catalyst Counseling Group. And that is also the same name of my website, is CatalystCounselingGroup.com. Um, you can also reach me on Facebook under the same name. Um, where there isn't online uh, counseling available, definitely a lot of uh, resources. And then some courses that will be coming up over the next few months, um, kind of actually working on perfectionism. Um, so that would be something that's available. Fabulous. And in what state are we connecting with you from? Yes, I am in Illinois. In Illinois. All right. All right. With all of its ups and downs, I tell you, with Illinois, I hate oh, here. Yeah. Some of your good friends are from there, okay. Well, you've been listening to Real Relations uh, with Dr. J.C. on WDJYFM 99.1 FM, Straight Talk Radio. Please contact me, Roy J.C. Hodge. You can find me on LinkedIn, Inside Pastoral Care and Counseling. Also on Facebook, just look for the sunflower. And until next time, everybody. Be aware, be wise, and be well. Bye-bye.